fuck is up, hipsters and non-hipsters, and welcome to Got Me Fucked Up, a podcast about the things in the world that has got us fucked up. I am your host, the Melanin Hipster, and muchas gracias for clicking the play button. Join me every Thursday to hear who has got us fucked up this week. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Got Me Fucked Up. A podcast about the things in the world that has got us, me, y'all, whatever, them fucked up. I am your host, the Melanin Hipster, and this week's episode, well, I'm not going to say this week's because I've kind of decided, I kind of decided to do multiple episodes a week because, let's face it, there's a lot of things that happen in the world, and for me to pick one topic a week is a lot because I feel like we should talk about as many topics as we can. But back to what I was saying, this week's topic is about ignorance. And ignorance, let's let's first define the word ignorance. So ignorance means the lack of knowledge. It does not mean stupidity. It does not mean arrogant. Like some people say, oh, you're just ignorant. I don't, most of the time people use the word wrong because they don't know the definition, the lack of knowledge. So say I personally, a black American woman, I know nothing about, well, I wouldn't say nothing, but I don't know, I don't know most things about Asian culture. I am ignorant to things in Asian culture because I don't know them. I have no knowledge about them. When people hear that word and they get really offensive, one, because they're using it wrong, and two, because they think it means stupid. No, it just means you don't know. I don't, I'm ignorant about car problems because I don't know that. I don't know. My boyfriend handles the car. But let's dial this thing back to why I say ignorance has got us fucked up this week. And I'm mostly speaking to the black community this week. I'm sorry if I, for my white or other cultured listeners, but this is for my black folks and our black community this week. So, um, things that we are ignorant to, and I'm not going to go in depth, like, you know, in depth uh, about like systematic problems. I'm talking about like regular things, regular life, like life insurance, like investing, like real estate, like beneficiaries and things like that, assets and equities, things like that. We as a people are really ignorant to what that means or what those things are or what they mean. So me personally, today, um, I was talking to a financial advisor about life insurance. You know, I feel, hey, I'm 26 years old. You know, I got to start doing some things, life insurance. You know, I live in Baltimore. Well, I actually live in Pennsylvania, but, you know, I'm from Baltimore. I travel to Baltimore. Anything can happen. I want to make sure my daughter, my family is okay if anything happens to me, right? Normal thought. Normal thought like the rest of us, you know? So what does that mean? That means if I die, I don't want my friends out here, my family out here making a GoFundMe page for my funeral. No, I want life insurance because I want to make sure that we are good. So I'm talking to her and 
she goes over telling me, you know, about the plans. And she goes, well, there's whole life insurance. It basically covers you for your whole life. And then there's term life insurance that, you know, like 10, 20, 35, whatever years that you have. And in the process of her explaining to me what life insurance is, I was baffled. Freaking baffled, you guys. Okay, so I'm not going to quote her because, like, I understand. I'm going to say it for... Like, I would want somebody to say it to me, I am going to explain it slowly and I, I can't even think of the word, not, um, oh, I'm going to explain it like we're a bunch of 12-year-olds trying to figure out what the hell it is, because that's basically how I understood it. Okay, so term life insurance is protection that you need. A lot of people underpay for insurance and a lot of people overpay for insurance. So term, you can pretty much pick how much life insurance you need. And what life insurance is, it protects your income. It protects your income and it does kind of protect your family, but only if you die. Duh. You can borrow against it, this and this and that. But life insurance is kind of like car insurance. You have to keep paying on it. So if you do a 10-year plan, you have to keep paying for it. The goal is though, to not want whole life insurance. Because basically, this is the fucking kicker. So, regular, like, all right, car insurance. You're paying car insurance, you get into an accident, your car insurance pays for the accident, right? Because you can't pay for it, you don't want to pay for it. Life insurance is to cover your funeral or, you know, your expenses. But if you get to a point in your life where you make enough money that you have that money to set aside for your funeral, you no longer need life insurance. See what I'm saying? Like, so instead you can take the money that you would put and you invest that money. Because, okay, say I don't want, or say I'm like Floyd Mayweather, who has millions and millions of dollars. Floyd Floyd Mayweather does not need life insurance. Why? Because he has enough money to cover his funeral. He has a will set in place that his money that he does have gets divided to his kids. He doesn't need a life insurance plan to divvy out that money for him. Because basically you're paying that premium your whole life. But like, say if you you don't really need it if you don't have a car you wouldn't pay for car insurance not and it's not like if you don't have a life you you know but eventually you want to get to the point where you don't need that money from them now let's say this in another sense because I'm a libra so I look at it both ways in another sense say you know you don't make too much money you don't have in you know money set aside that if anything does happen to you, you can't afford it. Life insurance is for you. You know, if you are only clearing maybe $40,000 a year and probably at the end of the year, you know, you probably got like $1,000 away. You don't really have much set aside for your kids or your husband, wife, girlfriend. Oh, excuse me, guys, sneeze. Oh, excuse me. Whoop. And I also don't edit my, um, I don't edit my podcast, so you guys are going to hear me sneezes. It's real, it's uncut, we're getting there. Anyway, 
So you don't have, you know, any money set aside for your house, your, you know, your husband, da, 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 da. If you don't have that, then life insurance is for you, you know, because then that's that. But if you have that money to set aside, say you make, you know, a little more money than that, and you have like an emergency fund that tucks away enough money for that, you don't need to be paying life insurance for the rest of your life. You don't need to. You have that money already. Dis- already, And another big thing, another big part of life insurance, another big part of real estate, another big part of life, a will. And I know I haven't heard too many people of color talk about a will. You know, we don't really have wills. You know, older people have wills, but younger people don't typically have wills. But what I've learned with real estate and life insurance is that if you don't have a will set out to a, a will set out of where your assets go, and that's not just your money, that's not just your property, that's everything that's pretty much connected to you. If you don't have a will, it goes through this property, it goes through this um, process called probate, where the courts decide of your family member, your mom, your your kids, if they and if they they don't look for them. That's the thing. They're not going to look hard for your third cousin that lives in Guam. They're not going to do that. So basically, they have courts and they figure out which person. So say you're, a, you know, you've been married, but you, you're separated from your wife and you died before y'all got a divorce. And, you know, you have a girlfriend and you would like all of your stuff to go to this girlfriend, but you never put it into your will. You're, you're going to go to court. And they're going to say, well, he's married to this lady. This lady gets, the wife gets everything because that's, that's who's, you know, that's your next beneficiary. It doesn't get divided the way you want. That's why having a will is really important because it goes the same with real estate. All of your property, basically any property that you own kind of, it goes through probate and that will separates all of that. And probate, it sounds like, oh, well, we just got to go to court. That process can take months, months. So with real estate, um, if you don't have a will and you go through probate, they also, um, okay, say you and your girlfriend or you're a guy or whatever, you're and your boyfriend, you could buy a house. In most states, that unless you file for joint custody of that house, if you just get a regular lease, that person doesn't own your other half if anything happens to you. So you and your say Sarah and Bob, they get together. Sarah and Bob buys a house, their boyfriend and girlfriend. And say Bob dies. Sarah does not get Bob's portion, even if they get married later, unless they go back and file. I can't think of, I think they file joint custody. So you can't, you get regular, I forgot what it's called when you have, um, when you just buy a house regularly. Oh, I think it's uh, lease in common or something like that. But you have to go back and file for joint custody so that that person's name is on there as your beneficiary if anything happens to you. Because if you don't go back and do that and you buy guys, bought the house, fiancés, got a new house. So when you guys get married, anything like that, that person does not own your other half. I mean, they own half of a house. So it goes through probate so they can, you know, figure out the new costs and everything. So you got a mortgage and half of that mortgage or that mortgage was paid by the person who passed away. Well, 
you still owe that whole mortgage. And if you're unable to pay that, a lot of houses go into foreclosure because being stuck in probate, you also cannot sell the house because you don't have the other person's signature. So you're stuck in this house. You can't sell it. You can't rent. You can't do anything without that other person. And you're not going to get that until after you go through probate and they figure out if that property also belongs to you. And by then you probably lost the house. So to like, there's a will, a will would help with all that. If Sarah or Bob had that their beneficiary to their home with each other, easy fix. Boom. There's a will, no other five minutes. Boom. That's it. Nothing else needs to be decided. But, and it's the same thing with your, um, with pretty much all of your property, if anything happens to you. So that's why one, a will is really important. Life insurance. And your life insurance doesn't go to your girlfriend automatically. It's the same thing. It has to be your wife. You have, you have to have a will set in place because I'm, I'm trying to backtrack. I should have wrote things down. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm kind of, I think I'm getting sick. All this heat plus air conditioning is fucking with my sinuses and all of that. But that's why I'm going to start over anyway. Well, I'm not going to start over, but I'm going to move forward. So term life real estate. I'm not term life real estate. Oh, my God, y'all. Am I sleepy? Term life insurance, like life insurance. Realistically, it's for those people who say, okay, I'm, eventually I'm going to get to this place. Like doctors, people that make doctors, lawyers. And it doesn't just have to be doctors and lawyers. You know, these are just... As an example, you know, doctors and lawyers, they make money, you know, they make good amount of money. They most likely don't have life insurance plans unless they plan on having like some extravagant ass funeral that they can't afford. But most of the time they don't really need the life insurance because if you set aside your funeral costs and everything else, most people have trust. So when you see that all of these old people, they have like their trust set up for their kids, their grandkids and all of that, that's kind of their life insurance. Because what life insurance does is it protects your income, like I said, but it basically, it clears your beneficiary. So if your kids or your husband on there, it gives them enough money for a certain amount of time monthly to be able to take care of themselves. And it covers your funeral and, you know, that's basically what it covers. But that money, you know, eventually, you know, so some people get a little bit of a check, da 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 da. But say you take the money for your funeral and invest, or you set up a trust, or you invest that money for your kids, you would have more money than you would if you did life insurance. So you can invest. I just spoke to my financial advisor, and basically, we were talking about investing $200. Like, okay, so $200 a month at a fixed rate of 12% interest for 36 years and she's like I think it was like 1.3 million at the end because the money constantly keeps doubling it keeps doubling you keep putting in this money and say that's $200 a month 36 years but we're young you know like as if you were to pay $200 a month for a life a life insurance plan and the life insurance plan was probably like for I'm gonna say between like maybe like 
$500,000. I don't even know if that's our right, the right number for that price point because I'm not sure. And say your funeral is $10,000 in between you, your kids. You know, your kids get a, a nice hefty lump sum. You know, they probably get at least $100,000. That sounds great. But if you would have invested that same amount, you would, in that same amount of time, you would have had $1.3 million. Like, and you can set up trust for your kids. Like, it's a, it's a complete different situation than these life insurance plans. And I just found this out. I always thought that you needed life insurance for your whole entire life because eventually you're going to die and you don't want to pay for the funeral. But, you know, what I pay, this is like me saying, okay, I got a car, you know, I pay $200 a month for car insurance, right? But for the whole time I have my car, it only probably costs me Oh, I'd never get into an accident, ever. Like, I never get into an accident until the car dies. I didn't need that car insurance. You know, it's required here, you know, in most states to have car insurance. But I didn't need it. You know, I'm a careful driver. You know, I didn't need the life insurance. I just, I mean, I didn't need the car insurance. I was just paying into it just in case. And that's basically what life insurance is. It's basically, just in case you die, you have this. But if I have, say, okay... So I, I got like, I paid $200 a month for my car insurance and I got into a bit of a fender bender. It cost, I'm going to say maybe $100 to fix my bumper. And that's the only accident I get into. Would you pay $200 a month for the car insurance for them to fix it? Or would you just kick out the $100 to fix it? You would just kick out the $100 for you to fix it. Because why would I pay $200 when I could just pay $100? Same type of situation, kind of like life insurance. Now, don't quote me on any of this stuff. Like, not, I'm not saying that the information I'm giving you is wrong, but I'm not a financial advisor. I know what I'm saying, but I might got some things. I wouldn't say I got things mixed up, but it, it just doesn't sound professional because I just heard this from my financial advisor and I'm not 100% skilled. I'm just trying to share the information that I got in a way that I know other people can understand it, if that makes sense. Okay. So that we also covered will. So we covered life insurance. We covered wills, why they are really important. And now we are going, to, I'm going to walk through real estate. I, I kind of touched on it before. But um, going, I might get a little. I'm gonna go a little further into it. While, like, cause I, just, I I talked about why having a will was really important. But so with real estate, I told you about the difference between joint custody and um, is it custody in common or? Okay, let me break out my papers. I'm breaking out the notes, y'all, because this is something I actually should know about. This is something that I need to make sure that I am talking real good about this. Matter of fact, we about to get into this real estate. I just want y'all to know that. Okay, living trust, trust store. All right, I got to go back. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Okay, 
So it's Tennessee in common, and then there's joint Tennessee. Okay, all right. Those are the two I was talking about. Now I'm trying to figure out Tennessee and Common joint custody. Okay, joint Tennessee and Common is basically if you own a property. Oh, matter of fact, y'all, I was sitting here looking crazy at my damn notes. So there's three types of ownerships to property. There's Tennessee and Common, Tennessee and Tennessee and Common. Joint Tennessee and Tennessee by entirety. So Tennessee in common is um, is basically if you own a property with your boyfriend, um, your girlfriend, anybody, your business partner, anything. You have no rules. You have no survivorship. Meaning, if you die. It doesn't pass on to anybody, I think. It goes to it might go to the other person. Okay. Yo, I done got so damn confused. <laughs> Cause my notes, the funny thing is I take like two sets of damn notes and I'm looking, trying to figure out my notes on Tennessee and Common. It's basically for business partners and stuff like that, but there is no survivor. And I'm trying to figure out where... Oh, 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 oh. Oh, okay, okay. My bad, y'all. I'm so sorry. I had the dumbest moment just now. I'm not even going to edit any of that out. I'm going to let y'all hear how stupid I just sounded. So, Tennessee and Common is basically like if you own something with your boyfriend or girlfriend, your business partner, etc. People who are not married get Tennessee and Common. It's automatically what you get when you sign a lease with, not a lease, when you sign a deed with someone else. That's normally the most common type of deed is Tennessee and Common. But there is no survivorship. What that means is like... um. Once you're, like, it doesn't automatically go to the next person. Say, like, again, Sarah and Bob own, they buy a house together. If Bob dies, it doesn't go to Sarah. Sarah only owns a half of that property. She has to go to court and fight for that other half. The half is no longer, it does not get passed on to someone else. Just so, it it, it works for business partnership because, you know, if you own a partner with your part, you know, if you own a business with your business partner and you die, it doesn't automatically go to your business partner. Now, it normally goes to your kin. Like, so with Bob, it would the his half would probably go to his mom, but that would be decided in probate. That would not be something that would be automatically decided. The courts would have to decide where that property and who gets prop, you know, who gets the um his portion of that property but again probate takes months okay so and then you have joint tennessee oh yeah okay so joint tennessee is for people who are not married but they want that survivorship so if bob and sarah right now you know they decide that hey if bob or sarah if one of us dies i want the other to have the property they have to say they want a joint tennessee deed because then that means whoever dies they get that um they get that person's um 
ownership. They get that person's right to the ownership, their percentage of the ownership. So that's normal for, you know, couples. But say, you know, you go in with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you have to specify that that's what you want. You have to specify that. It does not automatically come like that. You have to specify. The last one is tenancy by entirety. That is for people who are married. When you are married in most states, because I know Pennsylvania, I know Maryland does this, you own half. Like say if I, by myself, I get a husband or whatever, and say my husband cheats and he goes out and buys his girlfriend, a condo tucked off. I own half of that property. If my husband was to die, I own that property because we are married. Period. That's just how that works. As a joint couple, you basically own the other, you know, you own that property with that person. So you can sell your portion without permission from your spouse. So say, okay, me and my husband have a house together and we split up. And basically we still own a house 50-50. I own 50%, he owns 50%. If I die, he gets 100%. If he dies, he gets 100%. But I can sell my property, my 50% to Bob. Crazy, right? Yes, but that's basically how that works. Now, people who have like, engaged couples who um you can I think you can file for tenant joint tenancy or tenancy in common afterwards I forgot how that works um I don't know I'm not gonna get all up into that part but now you guys understand how you own a property if you own a property and that also goes with a lot of assets and cars and things like that and excuse me you own, you know, it's, I feel like I am trying to explain, but I'm explaining in like the dumbest way possible. Well, I told y'all how I was going to explain this, but that's how you can, tenancy in common, joint tenancy, and tenancy entirely. That's how you can own a property. And like I said, most people, unless you are married, have tenancy in common. And that's why a lot of places get foreclosed on because they don't get that additional percentage of the property if anything happens to that other person they don't you know if your boyfriend and girlfriend fiance it doesn't if your fiance and fiance and you purchase a house it's going to be purchased in tenancy in common when you get married it does not automatically change to tenancy entirely like there's some differences between joint tenancy and tenancy entirely but that's a whole different conversation but it does not automatically, you have to go get it changed. So say, okay, we got married and your husband dies. You have a tenancy in common, so you only have 50% of your house. And if you can't pay the bills because you got to cover the funeral, you got to cover, you know, your kids, you got this lifestyle, you have to, you're, you know, your life, you have to wait till it goes through probate. And while that you have to pay the interest, you have to pay, I think it's like probate interest. It's like some interest on the house, you have to pay the price. You have to pay everything. And a lot of people, because they can't keep up with that and they can't sell the house, the house gets foreclosed on. And imagine being elderly and, you know, you bought a house in your 20s with your husband and, you know, the house lasts until you're 88, your husband dies, 
And at 88, you realize that you only own 50% of your house. And now you cannot keep up with, I guess, the taxes or the interest or anything else. You cannot keep up on it. And your house gets foreclosed on. Freaking crazy. But a lot of people go through this. It's actually really, really common because a lot of people don't know. They don't know about these things. Okay. There's, okay, sorry. I'm going through my notes right now, y'all. So I'm trying to give y'all as much information as I can give. I just went through the, um, I just went through the will. I kind of don't want to go through trust because trust, it's, it's a lot of trust things that go into. And a trust, matter of fact, I'll just tell you what a trust is. A trust is a legal entity where control of some assets or property is transferred by a grantor to a third party to be held for the benefit of another. You know, you set up a trust for your kids. Basically, hey, I have this amount of money. And you could tell somebody, hey, Aunt Sarah, say, okay, Bob. Bob set up a trust for Bob Jr. Bob Jr., Bob also wants Sarah to be, I think, the not the beneficiary. He wants her to be the trust or something like that. I don't remember which term is what. But he tells Aunt Sarah, hey, when Bob Jr. turns 21, I want you to give him this amount of money. That's basically how a trust is sold up. It could be a person. It could be a bank. It could be anything else. And there's also a bunch of stipulations because you can say, hey, when he's 21, give him this amount of money. Then when he turns 23, give him this amount of money. Hey, if he finished college, give him this money. If he doesn't, don't give him anything. That it's a bunch of different things that go into trust. So that's a whole different situation, but that's what basically a trust is. Okay. So we are going to, there is something else I wanted to talk about and it wasn't. Oh, okay. This, this part. So again, we are talking about ignorance has got us fucked up. And I know normally I do a rant about how angry I am, but right now I just want to give you guys as much education as I can about things that we go through. Like as a person, as a 26 year old, there's a lot of things that I did not know about. And it's a lot of things that also affect our everyday life and how we move. So because I'm in this real estate class, I want to tell you guys, because I know at this age, we're at that point where we're buying homes, you know, we're starting families, we're doing these things. And a lot of people don't know of the laws and bills and regulations or what certain things mean, you know, in their in their state, in their country, da 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 da. Like, interesting fact, um, liens, we have in Pennsylvania a deadbeat, a deadbeat parent lien. So basically, say you have a house and you're a deadbeat parent, you know, you haven't paid your child support or anything. They can put a lien out against your house for your child support. So they can basically foreclose on your house and sell it if you don't pay your child support. And for people that don't really know what a lien is, because I didn't really know what the hell a lien, I heard of it, I kind of knew, but. A lien is basically, um, how, how do I put a lien? 
it's a contract against your house or your property because you can have liens against anything. But um, it's a contract against your property basically saying that they have a right to sell your property or take your property if you do not pay somebody. And what a lot of people don't realize with homes, you can have, um, you know, a, a normal lien is a mortgage. Basically, if you don't pay your mortgage, they can take your house. It's a lien. You agree to it. You have voluntary liens and you have involuntary liens. And a mortgage is a voluntary lien. But some people have mechanic liens, meaning say you get something done to your house. You know, you get something done to your house and you don't pay the contractor that does whatever. The contractor can take a lien out against your house if you don't pay them. Meaning they once they take a lien out, they can have your house foreclosed on it. Meaning they don't, uh, and foreclosure is them taking it and selling it. They have a right to sell your house to get their money back. That's what like a lien is. So same thing with cars. Like if you don't pay your car payment, the people can take their car back, sell your car and get some of the money that you owe them. That's how that works. But a lot of people don't know about things like mechanics liens. Like you have to pay these people. You have to pay your mortgage and there's also another type of lien. What was it? What was it? I might have typed it. I don't know. I have type notes and regular notes as well. Okay, here we go. Oh, okay, here we go. So we got mortgage liens, we got mechanics liens, we got vendors liens. When the buyer doesn't take out a loan but owes the seller. That's what a, vent- a vendor's liens. I never really understood what that one is. If you guys understand it, kudos to you. Um, oh, a vendor's lien. So say like you buy a car from somebody and you tell them, hey, I'm going to pay you this, this, and this. Or you buy a house from somebody and you say, hey, on the first step of your month, I'm going to give you this amount of money to my house. Like kind of like rent to own programs and stuff like that. They basically, if you don't make those payments, they have a lien. They can take their shit back. Normal shit. Um, you also have a Vendee's lien. If you give the person the money and they don't give you the property, you can take the property, sell it, do whatever, you know, to get your money back. You also have bail bonds liens. And that's like when people say, oh, I'm going to put my house up for, you know, you got a bail bonds. Oh, I'm going to put my house up, did it in this. It means that if you don't pay them, they can take your home and sell it to get their money back. And I'm going to tell you this. So with liens, things depreciate. So that doesn't mean your debt is fully paid off. They can take your car, and because your car depreciated, you still owe them money. Oh, shit. My bad. It just started pouring down outside. Oh, my God. That is crazy. It really, like, out of nowhere, like, it wasn't raining, and now it's pouring down raining. Huh. That's crazy. But, so, back to these liens. So, that's how that works. And when people get, like, first mortgages, second mortgages, third mortgages, you own them. Those are liens. And they, all of them come into effect when you go to court. Like, if they have to take you to court and say they have to sell your house, they divide that money up. 
So whoever's the most important, say you got a lien from 20 years ago, that lien is getting paid. And then it breaks down to everybody else, everybody else that you owe off of that house lien. So you own a mechanic for a plumber, I mean, a plumber for fixing your toilet that you didn't pay five years ago. Oh, he's getting paid. And he's getting paid if there's enough money. Say you own in your liens, you own, you owe like $200,000, but you only sold your house for $100,000. They're going to divide that money up to who filed the first lien, the most important lien. If you owe any government, financials, government, federal, or state laws, they get their money first. Then it goes to your mortgage, and then it goes every, well, the state get their money first, and then they divide it up who filed the first lien. So it might be your mortgage, it might be your contractor, it might be, but if you owe those money, whoever's last one on the list does not get their money. But you still owe that. You still owe that. And you cannot sell that house with that lien on that account. So when you sell that house and they check and see those liens, they will deduct that money. So you sell your house for $150,000, guess what? You're only going to get $50,000 because they're taking that extra $100 off. I mean, $100,000 off. Like, crazy things. Like, a lot of shit that we did not know about. Because I didn't know. I knew, you know, I knew about liens, but I didn't know how important they were. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know, you know, that almost anybody can take out a lien against you. And they can take your property and sell it. That I didn't know. That 100% I didn't know. Whereas, like, basically your house is just walking collateral when you when you don't pay for things like that. Your house, your property, your car is walking collateral. And I don't know, you guys. I feel like between having a will and tax, I mean, not tax insurance, and, um, life insurance and buying a home there is so much we don't know there is so much as a people we do not know or understand and i'm just trying to give you as i get the information i'll tell y'all but i do not want you guys to be ignorant in the world about things that we didn't know we were supposed to know about You know, I didn't think I was ignorant about life insurance. I thought I knew what life insurance was. And to an extent, I did. But I didn't know it wasn't one of those things that realistically, like, you know, if you are, the goal in life is to not lead life insurance. I didn't know that. I thought, you know, everybody had life insurance, rich, old, young. But it makes more sense. Like, why would I pay this money and I can invest this money? Like, realistically, if you look at life insurance, life insurance is paying your funeral and your beneficiaries. Like, example, the George, the George Floyd situation. His funeral was covered by Floyd Mayweather. And they also had money, you know, divided up for his kids and everything. Meaning, not to say that this is, you know, the the ideal situation, because it's not, you know, that doesn't really happen in life, and glad it happened, but he didn't need a life insurance, you know, he didn't need life insurance, and that's why people have these GoFundMe things, because, you know, when somebody dies suddenly, 
they don't have the money for the funeral. So they, they do, okay, let's get the money for the funeral and let's, you know, do this and let's set this money aside for the kid if they had kids. That's what that is for. But if you have the money aside for your own funeral and, you know, you set up trust for your kids and you invest your money, like if you can invest, you can do an investment for your kids' trust. You can put $200 a month on 12% and say, okay, for the next, my daughter is six, she'll be seven. So for the next 14 years, I want to invest $200 at 12% for my daughter's trust. I don't know how much that is at all right now, but I know it's a couple thousand dollars. I know, matter of fact, I am going to break out the freaking calculator. I'll tell you, oh my God, I think this is the longest podcast I've ever done. If you guys listen all the way through, I love you so much. So if I invest $200 times 0.12% for 14, okay, wait a minute, $200 times, okay, so $200 times 0.12% is 24 extra dollars. I mean, two, yeah, so that would be 224 times. 12 months in a year times 14 years. Okay, right. So if I did $200 a month at 12% for 14 years for my daughter, that is $37,632. At just 200 that for 14 years for my daughter's trust. That's me tucking money aside for her. So and that's that's a lot. And that's just the 14 years will cover until she's 21 years old. So 21 years old, she would get $37,000 just of me investing. Now, if I put aside, say I put aside, I start tucking away, you know, money enough. And I have $12,000 just tucked away for my funeral. That's all I would need. My daughter would be covered because I invested that $200 and say, she technically, you know, that's a that's a lot of money for a 21-year-old. Again, you could set up a trust. You could have shit. You could do multiples. Say you want to invest more. You can invest more. You can invest less. You can have a higher percentage. It does not matter. What I'm saying is you don't need that life insurance to go, okay, well, here's this. Because guess what? They give you your money and they invest your money the same way you invest your money. So say you pay out the same $200 a month, but you got maybe a $100,000 policy. Yep. It covered your, let's say your funeral was $10,000, you got $80,000 less. And yeah, you might have, um, so what's that, like $90,000 left that go to your beneficiaries. That seems like a lot, but depending on how long you live and how long you're going to pay that. Like, say you do a 10-year. Okay, so basically, I I said 14 years. Say you do a 10-year or, you know, a 15-year. You will be paying way more than $200 a month to get you that premium. And then guess what? They take your money that you and invest it. And when they invest it, they get that same amount of money back. So what you are automatically paying, so if you want $100,000 in 14 years, I think that's probably between like a four, I don't know. But it's a certain amount of, but you only get that money if you die. 
You don't just get that money. It's not like, oh, you know, they only get that if something happens to you. So in that 10 years, if nothing happens to you, boom, there goes the policy. The policy is gone. In 10 years, if you invested that money, that money is still there. You know, you had to get another policy and you can loan out. And that's another thing that my financial advisor told me. You can loan out that money. You know, you can take out a loan against that money. But when it comes time for like if you die and after that money that you owe to them, they get their money back. You know, even after you pay, they get their money back. It just makes way more sense to think investing. And that's why you see a lot of like older rich white people and they invest their money. They think about what comes next. And, you know, they they want to set up trust and things like that. And that's what these things are for. Those are their investment properties, their assets. That's what that, and, and um, a life insurance is an asset. It's a thing, like, you can pass it on to your beneficiaries, but you don't want to have somebody else paying a bill all your life. You don't want to be paying a bill all your life. The thing we want to work towards is being debt-free. We want to be working towards being debt-free. We don't want to have all these bills, especially unnecessary bills. You don't want to be paying $100 a month for life insurance. When you can take that same $100 a month, tuck it away, and have your burial costs. Not to say, you know, any. you're right, anything could happen. That's why they do have life insurance. But once you get to a point where you have money tucked away, that's that's what we want. We want to have things tucked away. So if we have money, you know, if our money, our savings looks like, oh, we have a nice little penny tucked away. You know, we have a nice little, I can use this for my burial. I could have a burial fund for myself. You know, hey, look, I made $100,000 last year. I can tuck away $10,000. No problem. That's your funeral cost. That's what we want to work towards. We don't want to be low income all of our lives to the point where, we're constantly doing these, we're constantly paying these little tiny bills a month instead of investing the, that same amount of money, okay? It's just like a mortgage. Yeah, you could pay a mortgage, but there's an interest rate on paying a mortgage. You could pay a mortgage and eventually you'll pay your house off or you could buy your house cash. Now, everybody can't afford to buy their house cash. So, you know, you get this mortgage. But like I said, if you miss those payments, they can come and take your house and sell it to get their money back. They can't do that if you pay cash. They can't do it if you pay for your house completely. And that's basically what we're working towards. You know, no bills. That's what I'm working towards. I don't know about y'all, but I'm working towards no bills, complete financial literacy. I want to be in a place where my money is my money. And I decide every penny of my money and where it goes and where it doesn't go. If I can eliminate bills. 100%. Now, I'm never, ever, you're never, ever going to eliminate everything. There's always going to be property tax. There's always going to be like a HOA fee. fee. It's always going to be utilities. There's always going to be some type of bills. But if I can knock off mortgage, life insurance, you know, a car note, if I can knock off college loans, you know, debt, you know, then my bills decrease. And my income increased, the money I have to actually spend on my life. And I don't want to wait until I'm 60 to say, whoo, I finally paid everything off. I can live free. No, we're doing that in our 30s so we can have fun for the rest of our life. But I personally feel 
like this podcast has been long enough. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to, um, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to send me a voice message. You guys can hit up my Instagram. It's the melanin, oh, no, it's melanin hipster with two R's on Instagram. Again, melanin hipster, two R's on Instagram. I am there. I think my, it's, it's, you'll see my podcast link. Um, but talk to you guys in a couple days when something else has got us fucked up. And don't be ignorant, y'all. Read. Reading this fundamental X questions. Find out the shit that we are not supposed to know. Okay? Bye.